Hello and welcome to episode 14 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. Once again, I am Teddy, coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle, the beautiful Northwest. And today I have with me another special guest. Say hello, Tony. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so today we, uh, before we get into our main topic, I am going to ask once again, even though we talked about this just before I log on, what is your first thoughts on Forbidden West so far? Oh, oh, you're going to ask me about Forbidden West, huh? Yes. Well, uh, you know, like I was saying, I've only got through, like, the, ma- the main uh, opening tutorial area through the first boss, and it's it's real good. I mean, it's, so far it feels like a lot of more of the same from the first game, but, man, I don't I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Oh, well, heck no. With, with that game, I mean, can you really go wrong with more of the same? I mean, that first game uh, was beautiful, and I can only imagine the graphics on the PS5 look amazing. Yeah, from what I understand, the the PS4 version is uh, actually really, really nice too. They they did a good job of scaling it down. Okay, well there you go. I look forward to that once uh once I'm done with my next big one, which is Elden Ring, which <laughs> that next week can't come soon enough on that one. Um, okay, well then uh, let's get into the topic. I uh, let's get into the topic at hand then. Um, you know. Tying right into our our talking about beautiful graphics, you know, we've got these these amazing graphics of today, but it seems like the biggest movement in video gaming lately to me seems to be like a lot of going back to the retro stuff. And, you know, I mean, you got like Celeste and games like that, which are kind of tying into the retro, which are newer games. But, you know, why is that? Why Why is there a fascination now with the retro gaming, do you think? Oh man, you know, I, I bet you it's one of those things. It's uh, it's really hard to pin down to one thing, you know. But uh, I don't know. I th- I think uh, on one hand, I think people crave the simplicity of of the older games. Um, some some you know some of our newer games now. There's so many different systems built into them, and um, sometimes the graphics and the music are can be overwhelming. Oh yeah, that's fair. And, uh, so I, I I think sometimes people just crave a simpler experience. And plus, you know, everything you play nowadays, it boils down. If you, you if you boil this essence down, you, you get back to a, a retro game of your past, I think. And, you okay, know, like, uh, I, I don't know, I'm like trying to find a good example. Well, like, a perfect example is when we were talking about uh, NHL 94, how it's basically the, per- the... It's basically the perfect sports game. You can play a modern hockey game, but if you boil it down, you get through that. Yeah, you know, you know, you know. I of course I play NHL twenty a lot on my Xbox Series S, and I mean, you know, I love that game. But yeah, I won't lie. You know, I remember. I mean, I I didn't have ninety four. I had I want to say it was like ninety six when I really dug into it, and I loved that game because yeah, I mean, with the modern games, they're beautiful. But I almost think sometimes the the controls have gotten out of hand with like, you know, oh, you have to use your sticks for everything. Or, I mean, I do kind of miss the simple, you know, one button is your pass, one button is your shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, on defense, your pass switches your character and your, you know, your shoot button is, I think, is usually like your, uh, your check button. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like Madden, I think, is the biggest, the biggest, uh, person like you know the biggest game franchise to freaking just like completely go way too far with controls mm-hmm. the last madden game i played just too much at hand i mean you know like 
Yeah, you have to use your sticks for juke moves, but you have to hold certain stick, you know, certain buttons to do with your sticks to do certain juke moves. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're, you know, ha- have we gone too far into realism? I mean, it is a simulation after all. I mean, I don't know. I, I wonder if uh, if Madden is kind of an exception to that because I'm kind of curious to go back and try playing an old Madden and see um, if the fun is still there or or if it would feel too simple. I don't know because football is a very intricate game in that in, in that regard, you know. Okay. So I wonder. I wonder if it if that series is one is an example where it needed to get more. It needed to iterate. It needed to get more complicated to feel more realistic. I don't know that that one. That one is an exception where I'm not. I'm not sure. Okay, I, I can see. I can see your argument there. I mean, to me, you know, it's like with that kind of game. It just sometimes it just feels like there's so much you have to learn before you can. Before you can get, I mean, not not to mention the fact that really Madden, the Madden franchise has gone downhill. Not not necessarily because of the controls, because it just doesn't seem like they put a whole lot into it anymore. But oh, that's, yeah, yeah it, it definitely feels like it's gone stale. But uh, but you know, I mean, but I mean, like you you are really kind of the person that reintroduced me into a lot of the retro games. I mean, uh, yeah, I grew up with my uh, my original NES and or sorry, Nintendo Entertainment System. And I'm not going to call it an S or a SNES as much as because as much as it'd be great to see your visceral visceral reaction to calling it that right now. Um, No, uh, but, you know, like I had my Genesis and I love the Genesis, but I kind of forgot, you know, in in the, the craze of seeing, oh, look what a system can do now. Look at the beautiful graphics everywhere. I kind of forgot what was beautiful about some of those older games. I mean, then, you know, I mean, I remember when, uh, you know, you got your first retro pie and then like I got hooked. So I got one mm-hmm. and then, you know, going back and finding some of those super Nintendo games that I never got the chance to play mm-hmm. that, you know, you'd always highly touted. And I, you know, I just kind of was like, eh, look at the graphics. Meh. But then, I remember, was it, I think I was playing Super Metroid, and you were sitting there, and you had this shit-eating grin on your face, and I couldn't figure out what it was, because I kept going through this room, and it kept getting dark on me, and I couldn't figure out where I was going in there, and you're finally, you're like, do you realize what's going on? I'm like, what do you mean? It just keeps getting dark, so I figured I had a time, I'd be like, no, you're shooting those bugs, and it's killing the light in the room, and I'm like, oh, shit, and it's amazing how... It's a simpler game in many aspects, but they're doing things that you don't see in more modern games anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy the way that worked. And I mean, like, yeah, I never finished Super Metroid, but like Link to the Past, still to me, the high watermark of Zelda games. I know a lot of people like uh, Ocarina of Time never got a chance to play that one either. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the modern games are, are fun, but... I don't know. Link to the Past was just genius to me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, and I really got what you were talking about when I played through that game. Mm-hmm. No, um, with the uh, Super Metroid, you know, I know we've talked about that many times, and in, in our like uh, in our own private discussions about favorite games, and that is my favorite of all time, and it's because of how pure it is. Um, when when you were playing it, I, I remember uh, watching you play and. Um, I think you have a more of a modern sensibility to gaming than I do, and so uh, and what I mean, like, in, uh, you expect uh, 
a more, a more modern game to kind of um, maybe in the first hour or or half hour uh, teach you on screen how you're going to play this game. Um, and Super Metroid doesn't do that at any point. There's it a lot just, of. There's a lot of those older games that don't do that. They don't hold your hand at all. Yeah, They're like, here's yeah. the game. Figure this shit out. Well, uh, what, what makes uh, Super Metroid uh, so elegant in, in my mind is a lot of those older games, they didn't tell you what was going on. They expect you to read the manual that came with it. <laughs> well, we don't do manuals very much anymore. Um, but with Super Metroid, um, you didn't even need the manual. It taught you everything you needed to know on screen. It was never through text. It was just all through action and visuals and whatnot. You had to be paying attention to what you're looking at, and and that concept would build. These concepts would be built on later throughout the game. So, like, you'll go into a room and you'll you'll accidentally shoot a block, and you'll go, "Oh, I didn't notice before, but that block is different than every other block in the room. I need to remember to keep an eye out for those type of blocks. They probably have secrets behind them." Oh yeah, I remember you. Yeah, you uh, you keyed me in on that one too. Because yeah, there'd be slightly different. Like I can't remember how they look different, but they look different. You could like blow those ones up, and then you could roll through them in the ball form or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's an example. But uh, yeah, it's just just it's a pure experience. I mean, the the graphics at their time were were phenomenal. The music is phenomenal. The level design uh, is designed in such a way you would. Um, you might feel like you're stuck sometimes, but you never truly are. There's no way to get actually stuck in that game. It has perfect, perfect level design. Huh. I mean, that's a. I guess that's something I've never really thought about. I mean, like yeah, I said, yeah, I, I didn't I really get. I didn't really get as deep into it as I could have, and it was one of those ones I always meant to go back to, and then. Yeah. You know the the retro pie is out of my hands at this moment in time. So uh, you got to get it back. I I do got to get it back. <laughs> so Michelle, if you're listening, I want the retro pie back sometime soon. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, but it, it you know, and it's yeah, I guess I guess there is that you know there is that nostalgia feel to a lot of it. I mean, like. Mm-hmm. But you also can't. You also can't hurt a simple game like you know Super Mario Brothers. I mean, there's something like comfort food almost about that. You know, to get into the game and oh, just yeah. running left to right, you know, bouncing off the the creatures' heads and you know, getting to that flagpole at the end of the the map. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's simple yet it's it is almost. Like you said, it's almost elegant, uh, elegant in its simplicity. Almost mm-hmm. like you, you don't have to worry about, you know, or maybe it's maybe I guess the best word, way, to, another way to put it is it's like it's great for you know like uh, what a lot of games don't have today is the ability to pick it up, play for fifteen minutes, and then put it down, and you don't really feel like you're freaking out. I mean, yeah, you go into, you know. Freaking most games nowadays, it's like, oh, I got to get to the next checkpoint before I can stop playing this, or I'm losing my progress. Yeah, I definitely feel that. And that's just, and that's, I guess that's why, like, you know, like when I am just kind of in my mood to just play a game with, like, I'll turn on YouTube or something, I'll grab the the switch off the dock, and you know, mm-hmm. Celeste is a, a big go to. Mm-hmm. Not only is that game great for small doses. Also, it's genius in the way it's it does storytelling with very minimal words. Actually, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that one and Katana Zero, I love Katana Zero. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good one too. <laughs> now, the, the, uh, for for somebody that's a uh, has retro leanings or or likes in, indie games, whatnot, the Switch is a phenomenal way to go. I mean, uh, a lot of those games are are available everywhere else. Um, you know, on on the PlayStation platforms, Xbox platforms, PC, but uh, but I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, it's uh, it's a great system if you want to feel that small doses fix. You can just grab it off of its dock or off your off your bedside table and just play for a few minutes. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's also got some. But I mean, at the same time, then you've got games like uh, oh, what was the last one I last one I fully played? Oh, well, I've. I've got Skyward Sword still bothered from me. I still mean to sit down and play that one, but it's like I've got so many other games I've been playing that it's like I keep forgetting that one's there. It's a good one, uh, but uh, you know we are in agreement on on uh, the best Legend of Zelda is. Uh, I still think it's linked to the past as well. Yeah. Um, uh, but but uh, you'll, you'll like that one. It has it has phenomenal dungeon design, and that's been my complaint of some of the more recent Zelda titles is. Um, the dun- the dungeons have been underwhelming in the, in in a few of them in a few of the most recent ones. Well, yeah, with uh, Breath of the Wild, like there were what four dungeons because it was the four yeah. mythic beasts or whatever they were, and well, five if you count the Hyrule Castle. But for the most part, that was like Skyrim, pl- you know, Skyrim and Hyrule. No, um, I, I think they were. Uh, I think their answer to that was like, well, we don't give you, we didn't give you very many dungeons, but here's a crap ton of shrines. Well, some of those shrines, you're you're done with them in a minute and a half. Some of them are really, really, really short. We well, yeah, the combat ones were really, really short. It was the puzzle ones, like where you were playing like essentially golf with a boulder or mm-hmm. stuff like that, were the ones that really kind of took a while because you had to figure out the puzzle and the timing and mm-hmm. and that's great. But yeah, there was something. There was something great about there was it's something just so much more great about the dungeons in Link to the Past where you know you go in you find the tool and you know that tool is going to be used in the boss fight at the end mm-hmm. and even though you knew that tool had to be used you still had to figure out how that tool had to be used in the boss fight mm-hmm. and that was the you know that was kind of the kicker. That was kind of the puzzle of the whole thing was like, okay, I've got this tool. How the hell is this going to help me beat this boss I've got in front of me now? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, just to like kind of bring it back to uh, more of our conversation on retro. Um, I think, you know, honestly, I really do think the appeal of it all is um, it's almost artistic in, in their design, especially in the modern retro t- titles. These developers are setting aside uh, criteria. We wanted to make it look like an eight-bit game, a sixteen-bit game. Okay, that's going to limit you on uh, what your colors are going to look like, what your sound is going to look like. So, you, so you you have to work within those confines. And I think that's usually where the best art is made. Is one, you know, the artist picks their palette first, picks the medium that they're going to be using, oil paints, ink paints, yeah, and goes from there. Um. You know, today with the the power of our PCs and consoles, now it's pretty much only limited to their imagination. But now you're finding that's too much work, and it's and so too many games wind up becoming cookie cutter because of it. Well, yeah, or they end up getting uh, like like I've already said, they get released unfinished because they're mm-hmm. rushing them to market. And... Mm-hmm. Well. Oh. Uh, you know, and that's not a new thing. I, I'm sure a lot of those old titles went out the door in a stage that the developer probably really didn't want. 
But you, you didn't release it broken. You just didn't. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it might be. It, it might. It might turn. It might be a shitty game. But at least chances are it's playable. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Like, well, even ET. I've heard people say the ET game for Atari was playable. It just wasn't good. You know what? That game it do, it, it does get shit on. It's, it's famous for being shit on. But uh, um, the. Uh, the developer of it, he made that in like six weeks. Oh yeah, I remember they gave him they gave him no time to do it. Yeah, I remember watching the documentary about that, and it was actually really fascinating to hear. Yeah, he had like no time to make a game. He was just told it needs to be E.T. licensed. Didn't really give him anything to work with story wise. <laughs> so, and, and, and as crappy as it is, and famously crappy as it is, I suppose you'd say infamous. Um. It's actually uh, when you, when you understand it only took him like four weeks, six weeks. I, it was an uh, incredibly short amount of time to make it. He actually he actually made something decent, and and that's what oh, we're yeah. talking about. The meat, uh, the, these people with some of these retro titles. It's it's incredible what they're able to make with the limitations that they're presented with. Yeah, um, yeah, that game's awful, but man. Could you make a game anywhere near as Oh good as heck! Games? Oh, I, 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 don't, I do not. I do not claim to know how to make a video game. I, I play them. I do not pretend to make them. Yeah. Now, now with the with the more modern people doing the the retro stuff, do you think that's more or less difficult than making a more modern game with the the graphics? Because you are limited to your color palette, your soundscape, your you know, your level design can go anywhere you want with it, let's face it. But as far as, like, it almost seems like when you're going back to that more simplistic uh, design, like, you know, going back to an 8 or 16-bit, it almost seems like it would be more difficult to get across what you want to get across in that format than it would be to put it in, you know, Unreal 5 or whatever, where you can have facial emotions that are, like, heartbreaking to see. Hmm. God, that's that's a really good question. Hard one to answer, though. Um, gosh, I, I I don't know. Another thing with these modern retro titles is, you know, we were just saying that they tried they go they they're going for an aesthetic of eight bit or sixteen bit, and they're limited on their color palette. Oh the yeah, they really aren't. Because like uh, a good example is, uh, I can't remember what year it came out, but. Uh, a few years ago, uh, Mega Man Nine came out, and it, it was a big deal because it was the first time they've gone back to that eight bit style okay. since uh, since the ones that came out on the NES. Um, well, sure, it looked like an NES game, it played like an NES game, but it did quite a few things, and there were there's no way you could you couldn't take that and stick it on a cartridge and play it on an NES. Okay, that's that, and, that, and, and that's, that's fair. I guess so, I didn't look so at it that the, way. The limitations are there that they impose on themselves, but they're not as strict as they that, as they would be if they were actually told, make this game on the Super Nintendo, make this game on the NES. I, I guess I was just looking at it as the standpoint of the same thing as like, you know, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good movie example for, or like, well, like Sam Raimi doing the original Evil Dead. He had almost no money to do the thing, but he puts together this shoestring budget, really good movie well, some of it doesn't hold up great because of uh, special effects, but you know, you gotta respect it because uh, you know he was able to get across as much of his vision as he could on that on that 
in those constraints, you know, it's amazing. Well, yeah, and I was gonna say, I was gonna say, and I, I could see that as a similar thing with tr- you know with setting yourself to go back to like you want to make it truly feel and look like that you know that eight or sixteen bit game. It seems to me that would be to an extent that would be a little more. Like I said, a little more of a challenge, but that would almost make them love it more in a way. Like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, uh, uh, I can't think of the term I was trying to use there for a second. I think that's probably another reason why I gravitate towards those retro titles is is for that reason. These people aren't working within those constraints because they have to. They want to. They're challenging themselves. So, so, and a lot of times when you play these older retro games, especially the modern retro games, you can tell they're a labor of love. You know, they didn't have to make them simple. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to look eight bit or sixteen bit. They did it because that's what they love. Yeah, uh, the one that comes to mind when you're talking about like obviously shows some love for what they were doing. That uh, was it, Evo Land, the the game oh, yeah, where it's yeah. like slowly goes from like the most simplistic graphics to next thing you know, you're in like almost like early PlayStation graphics. Uh huh. Yeah, that was that was a fun experience, and it was you could tell that they didn't have to do that, but that's what they wanted to do because that was their love, that was their passion, and I guess that yeah, that that is a very strong argument there that you know yeah, there's a lot more passion in a lot of these retro games than you kind of see in some of the more you know what AAA titles, I guess. I th- I think that's what a lot of retro gamers crave is, is they want something that just that's a uh, fun the whole reason that the game exists is to be fun a lot of our modern titles now you look at them they're cash grabs they're absolutely cash grabs yeah um and and, it's, and um i think the industry as a whole has pigeon has a uh, really uh kneecapped themselves in that cuz uh they they can make these games that that cost hundreds of millions to make so they think their own you know the only way they can get that money back is you know some some will do microtransactions. Ugh. Some will just make it over an over. You know, some of these games that are, are that are coming out, the quality of them is not a sixty or seventy dollar game, but that's what they're going to charge you because they need to make their money back. These yeah. the AAA titles of today are they're they're just too expensive for their own good. Um, Man, and, uh, I won't so argue with you there. It uh, it really does mirror the movie industry in a lot of ways. But but the thing is, where where it differs from the movie industry is a major studio will, will release their tentpole project, you know, the two or three major movies of the year, and then those finance the smaller ones. Well, right now in the game industry, uh, the AAA companies are releasing their two to three tentpole games of the year, but they're not using that the money that, the revenue they make from that to to fund smaller projects and more ambitious projects. They're they're they've gotten so expensive that they can't afford to release a smaller project. They'll sink themselves. Well, yeah, no, it's 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 well. It seems to me like a lot of the big ones. It's their idea is okay. We'll make the money off this one just to make next year's one with a slightly updated <laughs> mm-hmm. something slightly updated, a la Call of Duty or you know your EA games or you know yeah it hate to say it yeah that's i mean you don't see a lot of people really kind of innovating i guess anymore i mean 
in the last couple generations uh, from the major studios that you, you look around and it's kind of sad they're not taking risks anymore. Would would Parappa the Rapper even come out today? I don't think so. It's it's such an odd title that they'd be like, "There's no way we can make and millions yeah. and millions off of that. We're not releasing it." Yeah, but you know, and then yeah, because you know, most of the most of the games that I played that I could truly say are as quirky as that have been coming out of these independent ones that get just dropped into like, you know, like game pass where, which, you know, we've said it a million times. That is like a great service. Oh yeah. You know, how many just weird little games that I never would have touched that I played because of that. But like the artful escape, I think is what it was called. And it's like just essentially a side scrolling game, not the most brilliant graphics, you're just running and holding a button to play your guitar, and as you jump, your character does extra like hard shreds on his guitar, and it's this really weird intergalactic space opera rock game. And but you know, if the developer of that game went to EA and said, "Hey, will you guys publish my game?" they'd be laughed right out of the room. Oh, they would. They would be told, "Sorry, this isn't Madden 2025." Or yeah, they. You know, no, EA wouldn't. No, none of the. I don't even think you know. Even the the ones that are on like you know like CD Projekt Red or any of those companies would do it. And I mean, they're not even considered like the highest tier. Mm-hmm. Well, the the whole CD Projekt Red mess is a perfect example of what I was talking about, where they <sighs> they price themselves into a corner because uh you know with the cyberpunk incredibly incredibly expensive game to make so they double down on that we need to make sure we make our money back so what we need to hype this they overhyped it they make it they made it sound like it was going to be the second coming of everything yeah and then they released a broken game Uh uh-huh oh don't worry don't worry we'll fix it later you can't you can't charge people full price if you're telling them we know what we're selling you is broken. <laughs> Deal with it anyway. Congratulations. You just paid $70 for a, a beta game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're going to be our game testers because we just cut you know half our workforce because we couldn't afford to pay them or whatever other reason they find to cut half their workforces just for BS reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, it's, I, I can't. I you know, like it, the the more we talk about, it, the more I just realize, yeah, you, you know, it's like there are so many things wrong at the top of the video game industry. Even though I love video games, mm-hmm. I I am you know it's it's yeah you're seeing. I mean, like you know, like the biggest the biggest shot in the foot to me was Anthem. Like they hyped the shit out of that game, and it looked be, looked like it was going to be awesome. And I bought that game, and it had its broken moments, but. The biggest, the biggest problems I ever found, I never found any of the major glitches I heard about, but with Anthem, it just, it didn't feel like a complete game, like as far as like story-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and the freaking, you know, the, the multiplayer on it was janky as hell. Like you'd be in the middle of something and it would just drop. And it's like, dude, if you're, if you're not going to put the time into it, why are you even trying to make this game? And I know you know you you like to you you like to bring up how how badly I bought into Anthem, and I freely admit, like I I wanted that game to be great. Yeah. And. Well, you can't you can't will a, a game. Yeah. To be better. <laughs> you 
Yeah. But then, well, no, but then, you know, then in hindsight, you know, yeah, with Anthem, I looked back and I saw some of the stuff like how, oh, the flight mechanic in that game was taken out and put put back in like six or seven times in the last six months before the game was released. Oh, yeah. When when you hear uh, stories about how the development of that one went, it's a a perfect example of what I was talking about, about corporate greed. I don't think Bioware would even release that at all if they didn't have EA breathing down their neck saying we 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 want a we want a destiny killer. Yeah, like, uh, well, and you know, and you you'd think they would have learned their lesson after dropping uh Andromeda. <laughs> <laughs> Another game that they released that was just broken, but once again, EA was probably behind them just Yeah, yeah, I guess we need this out. Big. We need this out. We need this out. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the big failings of that one was they they uh tried to force that frostbite engine on, onto the team. They didn't even want to use that engine for the for that game at all. They, they had something else at first. Hmm. And it was forced on them because it became an EA-wide mandate that frostbite had to be in everything. Okay. And, I, and, 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 and I don't I don't understand the engine things as much as most well, people I freely the, admit. The frostbite engine was ri- originally developed for um if I remember right, the Battlefield games. And um you know, and an engine, an engine is like basically the framework for which you, you can you can build a game on top of. So like, EA has Frostbite. It, a lot of the major studios have their own. But, well, yeah, um, I know Unreal. Like they're what up to Unreal Five Unreal, or whatever. There's there's Unity. There's a uh, Source. Okay, there's so all, yeah. all these different ones, but uh, you know, uh, uh, EA just they they knew it was a shit engine, but but they had dumped millions and millions into it, so they were going to get their money back. They wanted to make Frostbite happen, and Frostbite wasn't going to happen, basically. Uh, Okay. uh, I think they're, unless I'm mistaken, I think they're transitioning away from it now, because they're realizing it's, it basically works for a first-person shooter, but it it doesn't do well with uh, being used for other types of games. Huh. Which we found out with Andromeda, it it just didn't work. Oh, yeah, that game was... Well, that game had big... I think Frostbite was was just one piece of why that game didn't work. I mean, that story was really rushed as well, if you ask me. But no. it just seemed bare bones by the time I was But I guess, I guess we should probably get back to the retro stuff because, you know, we're kind of yeah. getting... We're kind of... But then, you know, this is the part of my podcast. You, we, I go on my tangents and it just happens. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean... You know, it's like you know, I, I, I've, like I said, you know, you you you've really turned me to seeing the the beauty of the retro games, and it's like, like I said, it's just it's to me, a retro game is just you know, like I said, comfort food. Like I I love a good retro game to just sit back and lose some time on. I don't ever feel like you know, like when I'm playing the the FromSoft games, I love playing them, but my my irritation level gets high really quickly when you get really get stuck somewhere there. Even when I'm on a tough uh, retro game, I never feel like I'm getting frustrated. It's just kind of like, okay, well, we learned that this is part of the process. You know, you, you know, you know, like like Celeste is my go-to. I know, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like you know, I I get stuck on a screen on Celeste, and it's like you know what, I never get overly worked up about messing up that screen. It's just like okay. I I jumped and didn't do a, do the right dash, so 
I got to do that dash this time and then figure out, okay, I got through that dash. Now I'm stuck here and I got to figure out how to get to the next platform or whatever. That, that style of game is really satisfying. Uh, you know, that, that, that game where you die and you just, you just, you're there's the, I mean, sure you died, but the consequences are minimal because you, you're, you, you're quickly respawned and you get to try again from right there. And you're not starting all the way back from the beginning uh-huh. of a level just because yeah. you made one small mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's satisfying. You know, Celeste does that. Uh, Super Meat Boy did that. You, you, you read my yeah. mind on that one. I was going to say Super Meat Boy. And, like, to me, there was something extra fun about Super Meat Boy because when you did pass the level, it would show you, like, every life you did up until that point. And it yeah, was the, really the funny to watch there. all your other lives fail as the ones surviving. <laughs> Yeah, 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 so there's some, you know, like, and it's not even just games, uh, platformers like that. I mean, there were even other ones. Um, uh, shoot, what was the one with the bike? Where you ride ride the bike through the obstacle course? Um, oh, was, Trials. Yeah, another good example. You know, you fail, oh. you just quickly drop right back down and get to try it again. Unfortunately, their last one was was horrible unfortunately like i was oh. i played the the, la- the latest one they did wasn't great but the first two maybe three were just yeah they were awesome i never i could never get real deep into like the highest tier ones mm-hmm. i just don't think i have the there's something about my my coordination just isn't there to get through some of the like you know you <laughs> balance on your front wheel and do like three bunny hops to get you know yeah i was never good at that part but boy i sure tried yeah um, yeah, I, I think that's maybe another appeal of the retro scene is uh, some of these. There's so, certain genres like that where you know these games where you restart quickly and what and you know the death isn't a big deal or whatever. Um, you usually only see that in the indie and retro scene these days. Uh, so there, there's certain experiences that's where that's where you, unfortunately you have to, or fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective where you have to go for those perspectives anymore, those types of games anymore. There's that. Um, another example is, like, let's say if you like shooter games, you know, where you're flying a vertical or horizontal, flying a spaceship along the screen, blowing stuff up, usually listening to pretty sweet music along with it. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, uh, that's that's not in the AAA scene anymore, for the most part. And could, could you imagine somebody taking a, you know, like a... Um like a 1942 or something like that and giving it like a little boost in graphics that would be awesome i would I mean, play they, that game they still they still happen i mean uh uh they had a uh an r-type game just uh, a couple of years ago oh, really? <clears throat> yeah with like that 2.5d type of thing you know where it is still a 2d game but the backgrounds are all 3d beautiful beautiful game but uh that's not a triple A studio that put that out either. So oh, these retro not. titles, they, they give they give you a chance to, to experience things that you that just aren't quite in the mainstream anymore. Um, yeah. so they scratch an itch for people that you can't get from the major guys right now. Okay, onto those those you know, those those types of uh, ship games, just because for some reason it it's gonna drive me until I can remember what the name there was one of them that you really liked where it's like you had to switch between white and black, I think it was. Oh, uh, I- Ikaruga. Yeah, that's, Ikaruga. that's a good one. Okay. That's a good one. That, that's one of those titles where if you fall into the, zo- the zone, it, it's like ballet. And see, that's that's another thing I don't feel really really plays into a lot of AAA games. I mean, it kind of sounds like 
that what Sifu, I think is what's called. It sounds like that's almost got that kind of a thing to it, like where yeah, there's a rhythm yeah, to the game. Yeah, it, that appeals to me. I'll, I'll probably pick that up as soon. As oh, I... that's that's on my that's on my radar. It's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's in my wish list, but uh, I have a feeling it might wind up as a PlayStation Plus title in a but, while. So you know, I think that the closest game I found to something like that was um, when I played near near Automata on Xbox. Where it's got like the bullet hell boss fights, uh-huh. and there's just this beautiful, like you said, almost like dance to like get through the you know get through the attacks and get into your attack and then get back so you can you know get you know weave yeah. through their attacks again. Uh-huh. And I think that's the the only AAA game I could think that really kind of has that that feel to it. I mean, but is is that even a triple? Was that a triple A game? I, I don't know. I really wouldn't consider one. Who, who put that out? I think it was was it Square that put that out. Oh, that might have been. Yeah, I think it was. Maybe it was and, Square Enix. And I mean, I guess if you consider them a AAA developer, they're they're like that next tier down from the yeah Act, the Activisions, the EAs, you know. The, so double A. Uh, maybe, but I'm not quite. I think they're better than that. But yeah. two and a half A. I don't know. I, I don't know where <laughs> yeah, you go with it. <clears throat> AA plus, I don't know, but yeah, no, that's yeah, that there's, man, yeah, it's you know, like you know, now you mentioned Super Meat Boy though, I got to go back and play some more Super Meat Boy at some point in time. Yeah, now that's now it's gonna sit you, in my head. Yeah, you could definitely it's one of those you could jump into it and play it. Yeah. Um. Now, what what is your uh, what is your whole thought on the the big movement of all these remakes they're doing more modern? You know, I mean, yeah, most of them they're only remaking games from like the early PlayStation era, like the the Resident Evil games and whatnot. But oh god, um, I think it almost comes down to a title by title basis because uh, uh, some of them really do reek of a cash grab, a, a safe bet. The, the company's putting out a oh, safe yeah. bet. You know, they're trying, they're going to cash in on some nostalgia. Um, but then some of them are really uh, lovingly redone, and uh, and they're definitely worth re-experiencing with the new coat of paint. <clears throat> um, you know, God, if I if I had some quick examples of. of like a crappy one and, and and then like a really really good one. Oh, uh, um, I I can give you a couple crappy ones. Um oh, yeah? I bought that uh uh Silent Hill, I can't remember what they called it, but it was Silent Hill 2 and 3 and uh-huh. they gave it a mild bump in graphics. They re-recorded all the the <laughs> the voice acting cuz let's face it, early PlayStation PS2 the voice acting was pretty bad. Um, but they, they messed up one of the key things that made Silent Hill 2 great. And that was the fact that you couldn't see the creatures through the fog Uh when they revamped it, the fog just didn't translate well. So you could see through it. So you could see all the creatures. So like it lost half of that creepy factor. That's definitely one of those titles where it's, it's like that, uh, the horror movie debate where a lot of people prefer their horror movies on VHS. Oh, I will. I will say there's nothing greater than watching, you know, uh, a VHS copy of most of the horror movies because, yeah, that grainy value almost makes it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I could see that with the fresh coat of paint, that Silent Hill would lose a little bit of its, a little, well, little bit of its fun. Not- and the thing is, if they would have put just a little more effort into it, 
that didn't have to happen. Yeah. They absolutely could have done a more modern looking fog and kept the draw just. Well, that's what I was gonna say. All they had to do that was the only mistake they made was they like whatever they did when they bumped the graphics, it didn't translate to making the fog stay opaque. So you could like see the fog like off to your sides. It's you know it. It's kind of similar to one of the the bugs I saw with um, the new GTA remakes they did recently, oh, <laughs> where when it rains, like it's almost like there's just a cone of rain around your character. It was, it was like a filter on the screen. Okay, well I, I just remember it looks like completely. It doesn't look like it's it's. It almost looks like it's just CGI'd into the movie into a movie uh-huh. or something. It's like yeah. what yeah. did you? How how did you drop that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some uh, another remake that's coming up that I'm really uh, kind of excited for is they're they're remaking the the Advanced Wars games. I think it's coming out next month or or in April. I can't remember. Oh, those uh, are the strategy strategy yeah, RPGs from from the Game Boy Advance. But I'm, the, gonna, the, I'm gonna have to give those a chance at some point in time. I'm not big into the, you, you know I'm not big into the strategy RPG, but enough people have raved about those games i'm gonna have to give them a shot at some point in time advanced wars is uh, is definitely one that if if for someone where i was like if if the strategy or strategy uh games aren't really their thing but they'd like to dabble in it that's a good one to start with okay yeah because uh you know it's really it's a real lighthearted tone to it and uh it's really easy to get into and, but the thing is once you're in you're gonna want to keep going Oh yeah, well, no, but the, really, see, really I have no problem with that though. Mm-hmm. That's something I want. Like, I want to give a game a shot and be drawn in. The last thing I want to be do is jump into it and be like, "Oh, that's what I thought," and just never want to touch the game again. But uh, you know, to, to, to distill down your question there about the remakes, uh, I'm for them if they if they put some effort into them. Um, some of those remakes that have come out, like a good example. Is it's not bad, but it's an example of what I don't like. Is um, that uh, uh, Persona? Oh, not Persona. Um, oh, Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne was uh, re-released on the on the Switch a while ago, and um, they did very little to update it. I mean, it, the graph graphically they cleaned it up a little bit, but basically they they just cleaned up the rough edges. They didn't really improve anything. Gotcha. So they could have done more. Yeah, and they could they could have modernized because like if you're not going to do much to bring the remake or remaster back, why don't why don't I just go play the original one if I if I have access to well, it? Yeah, well, uh, like a, a, a one on the good good side as far as remakes was the uh, was it Link's Awakening? Yeah, Link's Awakening. I liked how they took. The core game, like I never played the core game, so I don't really, I can't really say I, I know how well they translate the story. But like, mm-hmm. I like the cutesy kind of like, like almost like childish graph, like updated graphics they did for that yeah, game. What Baskin or Rat Rankin and Baz? Yeah, yeah, it almost, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I couldn't put my finger on what it reminded me of. Thank you. That that is a very good thing. But it's like, you know, they took, they obviously took a game that wasn't really broken. And just put the new coat of paint on it, like you said. Uh-huh. They put the beautiful coat of paint on it. The game played. It didn't have any, you know, major bugs or glitches, obviously. And it was just this fun little, you know, Zelda game. I mean, sure, it, it, it's it's still kind of way down below Link to the Past to me, which 
you know, as as much as I'd like to see them do a remake of that, I don't want them to touch it at the same time because now I've kind of got it in my head that it's there, and I don't want them to fuck it up. I was just about to say I, I would I wouldn't be offended if they if they remade Link to the Past in that style. See, see, now there there is the there, but see, there's the there's the catch because like. What if they decide to do that, but then they decide, okay, well, we did that work the one time. Let's try to experiment a little more, and they fuck something up. I mean, it's it's a very thin line there. Yeah. But then again, you know, even if that doesn't doesn't work, you know, for somebody who played the original game, it's just like you know, you know, when somebody remakes a movie you love, it's. Just because they made that one, it might not just be for you. You know, you it's not taking away what you had with that original one. Mm-hmm. It still kind of hurts. It's still kind of a jab in the gut. Uh-huh. I mean, like, you know, it'd be like, you know, like I, I could ask, you know, what would you think if they were say if they said today the Nintendo made an announcement they're going to remaster Super Metroid? I mean. Dude, honestly, I, I would be all for it. <laughs> okay see there you go see maybe it's just the cynical nature in me i'm sitting there like yeah that could be good but if you fuck this up man you're losing a lot of good <laughs> well with that one you know the, the original that i love is still always out there yeah but but i would love I, I, oh man i would love it if they remade that but use the the, the dread engine the, the dread engine yeah oh my god yeah and i i, I imagine but yeah like i said it's just it's to me there's there's that thing of like you know yeah i've i've just i've got the cynical nature in me but then again i don't feel nintendo deserves that as much as some other publishers cuz it seems like nintendo when they remake something you can feel the love they put into it like I said, oh, yeah. Link's Awakening, they, they, there was some love there. Yeah, they, they, they definitely earned everybody's trust. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out where to go from here. I mean, we're... Oh, we, run out of we, steam. That's all right. Yeah, That's all right. <laughs> yeah, I got my, my solid 45, 50 minutes. I usually, try, I usually go between 45 and, you know, 45 and an hour, but... Right. So, uh, with that, I'm going to say... Thank you for joining me, Tony. And then I'm also going to say my thank yous to anybody who is out there listening in, in the internet, interwebs world. Um, and yeah, with that, I'm going to sign off. So I hope you have a good one, Tony, and enjoy more Forbidden West. I'm sure you're, that's your your next thing on your plan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you <laughs> get, get texts every once in a while of me gushing about something. Oh, yeah. Well, I was actually shocked I didn't get more texts yesterday from you at work sitting there like, I can't wait. Because <laughs> I know that's how I'm going to feel next Thursday night when I'm waiting to get home to play Elden Ring. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, it was a good time. Th- thank you for having me on. No problem. Thank you for coming on. And mm-hmm. so have a good one. You too. Bye.